I'm Elise. And I'm Sammy. And this is the Inspired to Be podcast. This is your safe space to explore all of who you are and let your inner light shine. Together, we are your wellness cheerleaders, taking the overwhelm out of mindfulness and self-love practices. Join us for short bursts of relatable inspiration as we laugh, explore, and deepen our awareness of our mind, body, and soul. Today, we sat down with Kim Somerville, who is an end-of-life doula. She's a community educator and holistic funeral director. Kim is a former palliative care nurse working for over 20 years at Calvary Hospital. Kim is now fulfilling her life purpose, working to improve end-of-life care for people and their families, to reduce fear and overwhelm around death and dying, and to ensure everyone is aware of the options and choices they have to create more meaning and healing around the passing of a loved one. Sammy and I sat down with Kim today to talk all things that might have previously come across as taboo, and it was such a calm and beautiful conversation. Yeah, it was so lovely. First of all, Kim's energy is just so relaxed and calm and, you know, that's what you want (laughs) when you want someone supporting you through that. But yeah, I think I just got from it that, and this is why I wanted to have this conversation and why we both thought that it'd be so beneficial for our listeners is that death doesn't have to be something we're scared of talking about and it doesn't have to be a taboo and we can open a conversation around this in a really loving and compassionate way. Mm. And I think both of us having been through death of a loved one, maybe we're more open to it, but please don't be scared off by the title or the just this initial little opening segment because I think you've said it before, Sammy, if something brings a bit of discomfort, then maybe that is something that you need to listen to. Yes. Um, I think it could definitely open up and, and you won't realise that you need to hear it now, but later on you might come mm. back to it. Yeah, I feel like it's a really good resource mm. that will now be out in the world that people yeah. can come back and listen to anytime. And it's just so important. It's so important to honour all stages of life. And if it's not something that you're going through right now, uh, just know that you can come back to this. Yeah. and um, But, yeah, definitely there's so many nuggets of wisdom in it anyway, even if you aren't going through it right yeah. now, just how we can open conversations compassionately and and just be with people. Yeah, and you might have someone you know who is going through a journey of uh, a loved one and maybe you can share this with them. I've been so looking forward to this episode. I feel like we booked you in months ago. Yeah. This is just something so close to my heart and I know that we've connected um, prior to this. Um, But, yeah, I've just been really looking forward to this chat. So to get our conversation rolling, we always have a few questions that we love to ask our guests. We're wondering what is one thing that has inspired you this week? Yeah, I was thinking about this this morning and I think – Something I just saw on the weekend and I'm seeing more in our community, in our area, is just people doing more breath work and the ice bath challenges and plunges together. I just saw a community event on recently in the weekend and I just love that our community is coming together, you know, for events like this and, um, you know, just trying to improve mental health and connectedness between everyone. So, um, yeah, I just really love that. 
Yeah, that is beautiful. I went for my morning walk yesterday with a friend and down by the beach there was a group of uh, men there for men's mental health. I don't know if either of you were yeah. down for it. And they were having like sausages and muffins and coffees. Oh, that's so I agree. It was so, so lovely. Good. It's so lovely to see that it's a conversation now people are having and, you know, where mental health used to have this bit of a taboo and not to talk about it, it's now it's just mainstream and people are happy to talk about it and support each other and have those conversations, which is so inspiring. Um, Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's so important. Our second question is what is a guilty pleasure of yours? I think just a simple thing like curling up on the couch with microwave popcorn and just binging on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I yes, love it. That was Sammy's as well. Uh, that was it? Definitely, definitely got to do a binge. Like, come yeah. on, that's awesome. Like a Netflix <laughs> binge or like I'm really into like, you know, the app binge. I'm now even going to the Nine Now app and like re-watching like series from ages ago like Medium and like <laughs> <laughs> I my husband walked in on the weekend and he's like, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, medium. I used to watch this when I was a teenager. It's so great. <laughs> I've got to a whole nother level. <laughs> what yeah. are you watching at the moment, Kim? What's uh, your go-to? I don't watch a lot of telly, but um, just when I've got free time to myself and some downtime, it's good to just scroll on easy watching stuff. Yeah. Totally agree. Mm. Cool. Well, shall we just jump right in? Mm. And we would love to hear from you all about what you do how you got into becoming a death doula and just a little bit about your journey to this point. My background is palliative care nursing. So I, I, um, like as soon as I left school, I sort of went first and did aged care and worked in a nursing home for quite a few years and did my enrolled nurse training. And from there I went and worked at Calvary Hospital and just sort of did palliative care and, um, you know, I was there for over 20 years nursing wow. and, um, you know, it's just a space I always felt really comfortable in and I wasn't so much interested in, like, the medication side of nursing. I was always really wanting to just pay attention to the little things that made people more comfortable, especially when they're living with, you know, terminal illness and approaching their end of life. Yeah, I think I was on maternity leave with my third daughter and I came across the doula training just randomly not something I'd ever heard of before like in all of my years of nursing I um I heard of birth doulas like which most of us probably have and I was listening to your your previous speaker and her her birth doula work and it's just very similar to that you know supporting someone before during and after you know an important life event such as birth and death yeah that's kind of how I came into the doula training and that was it's like six years ago now and I've just built my practice up and then continue to work at it. It's so beautiful and I think the one thing that is so special about it and why I was really drawn to the work that you do is we always look at birth as this beautiful, amazing time in life and it is and it's so special but we don't look at death that way. No. And, of course, because there's a lot of grief and loss and tragedy that comes along with that. But, um, you know, sharing from my personal experience, you know, I was there when my dad passed. Mm. And to me it was an honour. It was an mm. actually an honour to be there. Yes, there was grief and, you know, all of that. I'm not denying that all of that is there. But even in that moment, it's actually an honour to be with somebody at that stage in their life too. And I think it's really special that through the work that you do, you also honour 
that as a sacred time in life, you know, that transition of end of life is so special and something that we can also honour. So I think that that's really beautiful the way that you described that. Yeah, mm. I agree. That's so true, Sammy. I love how you you can say so eloquently what you mean. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, but I also love that you were really in tune with the specific part of nursing that, you know, really led you to become the death doula because you obviously loved that comforting side of um, helping someone through something that is medical and then also supporting them on their emotional journey too. Yeah, I guess I just also saw like um, just that opportunities to have conversations with people. Like often patients would be in their room on their own a lot of the time and, you know, it is a quite a busy environment and medical environment and um, I just kind of always wished we could just kind of sit down with that person and sort of ask them how they're feeling about approaching their death and what are they worried about or what are they fears or um you know just sort of opening up the conversation and you know a lot of medical staff are wonderful at having these conversations but there are you know a lot of people still really uncomfortable with talking about death I just feel like that's not really serving your patient or your client or your family member by holding back those conversations I feel like oh, yeah. yeah it's like a missed opportunity if you're not having those talks with that that person and you know, really helping them at this end part of their life. Like, yeah, yeah I just feel like it's a, it would be a real, I don't know, just a real disservice not to yeah. be present for them and face what they're facing with them, you know, despite yeah. how difficult it may be. On reflection of my dad passing away because he was in palliative care for, oh gosh, I don't even remember if it was, it was probably just a week to be honest. It, it felt mm-hmm. like longer but um there were definitely some staff who were probably similar to you and so connected with what was needed from the patient and the family. But I think, yeah, upon reflection, having someone like you there, because in my family, emotional conversations don't come naturally, having someone like that you there to sort of encourage those conversations in not an overwhelming way or a pressured way really would have helped, especially me who in that family unit is someone who's very emotional and I, I did feel a pull to have those conversations but maybe everybody else didn't really. And so I guess if there's anyone out there who, gosh, my heart breaks but is going through that, you yeah. know, I, I think it would just – yeah, in hindsight, it would be so beautiful to have someone like you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that, do you find that is, you know, that's a lot of work that you do? I know that you also do a lot of work once um, the patient has passed, but is it a lot about navigating those conversations for the family? Is that a big part of the work that you do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and just like what you said, Elise, is like everyone in that family everyone has different needs and everyone Mm. brings different experiences with them to death and so some people may want to deal with it by not talking and others may want to sort of open right up and it's um the doula work is about being you know showing up for that family and um tuning into what their needs are and just sort of responding to what what is needed you know no situations are ever the same like every family brings different relationship dynamics and different um, circumstances and um, yeah I guess having those conversations is a, a good starting point yeah it is tricky for a lot of people to talk about it it really doesn't need to be that 
difficult if I don't know if I'm just saying that because I'm used to it now. I don't find it a difficult thing to have. I just feel like if you can speaking what it is and what's in front of you, like there's good tools and tips to give families and how to talk to their family and you know, some little things I've got are like little decks of cards that are like conversation starters that can just gently prompt families about not real um, tricky topics, but maybe just to ease them into it. And generally, once people open up to that, then things start flowing a bit more naturally and everyone's like, oh, okay, we're all on the same page and it's okay to talk about it. So, But I think getting started is the, the hardest thing because everyone's trying to protect one another. It's just a lot of feelings involved, so it can be tricky. Absolutely. And I guess too, um, you know, the one thing Lisa and I were chatting about before the episode is that these conversations don't just have to be had when someone is unwell or when they are nearing the end of their life. And what I guess we'd really love to empower our listeners um, with is knowing how to start these conversations with loved ones earlier on. So, for example, you know, if you could share some tips of, if one of our listeners would love to know what their parents would, what their end of life wishes are, what they would like at a funeral or memorial, um, what would be your tips for starting that conversation now? Yeah, just being open and honest and sort of saying, look, I know we're not in this situation now, but I'd rather be, you know, know what you guys want whenever the time does come. And, you know, perhaps by saying it would be really useful and really helpful for us Mum and Dad, like if you told us so that when the time comes, we know exactly what you want and it relieves a bit of the burden on us. You can just start by saying, you know, what sort of music do you want at your funeral? Or would you want to be at home or would you want to be in hospital? Or, you know, asking people what they don't want is often easier start. People know what they are dead set against and don't want. You know, maybe talking about advanced care planning, advanced care directives is a good sort of document to work through just to get some key decisions down and find out what people would find acceptable if they were facing their end of life or what was important to them. I think that's such a great insight actually to have that conversation and ask them what they don't want because most of the time for some people it can be a little bit scary or hard to think about the end of their life especially if they are scared of dying or it's not something Mm. that they want to even think about. It can be hard to identify what we want, but if we just think about what we don't want, that that's easier. I think that's a really good tip. Totally. I love that. One thing we didn't kind of mention at the beginning of the Mm. chat, but I'd love to touch on is um, how, I guess, in those conversations with the families that you work, if they include children in those conversations and Mm. how you might go about that. Because I know that's really hard to have a conversation around death with children. (laughs) So I'd love to know if that's something that you've had to um, approach in your work. Yeah, yeah, and no, I definitely have. Dealing with children and including children in the process is in a suitable way for their age is really important because children have really, are really intuitive and can really pick up on what's going on around them. And so if they're sort of being kept in the dark about things and not um, being included in what's going on, they their mind starts to wander and they think all sorts of weird and wonderful things so from my experience just really speaking really plainly and honestly with children and explaining what is going on and sort of finding resources like books or um you know anything that can help speak to them about grief and loss in their language is really good yeah I know after looking after a little girl who was dying and her 
the youngest sister was only four at the time, and this family just included her in everything. She was there witnessing, you know, every step of the way. I really just believe that that little girl came out of that so much more understanding and wiser from that. Like she, she was there when her sister died at home. This family kept their daughter at home for a few days before the funeral, and. I remember the parents saying to me that it took the little sister three days to actually understand that, oh, she's she's dead, like she's not waking up, my sister's gone. Like initially she thought she was just sleeping, you know, like and um but by her being around and witnessing and seeing her sister and just kind of touching her and just being involved in it, just it really processed and she understood it. You know, not to say, like you said before, that it wasn't heartbreaking and devastating, but I just think including children rather than just sort of whisking them away from a situation, it's a recommended thing to do. I just see it all the time. Yeah. Kids understand more than we think. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And then later in life, it will really help them to process other things that they go through and they won't be holding on to this trauma that they're not sure of because yeah. they, mm. I mean, I don't know what you think, Sammy, but. I guess yeah, actually processing it in the time is surely helpful. Absolutely. And then, you know, it gives them that reference point if it happens. Unfortunately, it will happen again later in life. Mm. Yeah. You know, we're all going to lose somebody um, yeah. in our life. And, you know, now she will have a few more tools or understanding that she can take with her through life so that when that does happen again, you know, hopefully she can navigate that with a reference point of, you know, knowing how that feels to process and, and go through that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and but not what to be is- scared of it, like it, not for it to be a, not, you know, we are sort of showing children how to respond and how mm. to behave with loss and grief and the death of someone we love. So, um, you know, that's really important. We're sort of showing them how how to behave and if we can sort of let them see that it's not scary and it's not, you know, all these dark things that we all kind of think it will be. Yeah. And I think so many um, cultures do do that. There are so many cultures where, you know, once the person has passed, yes, they're in their home and the grandchildren are there and the young ones and they're all, you know, with that person that's passed and and that's a Mm. cultural thing and it's such a you know, a sacred time when mm. someone has passed and, and having all the family there and, you know, it would just be nice if we could welcome that a little bit more into the mainstream is that, you know, this mm-hmm. doesn't have to be something that is scary mm. and it mm. doesn't mean it will ever be easy and grief won't be there um, mm. and it won't be, you know, challenging. But if we can also bring in a sense of, you know, sacredness and honouring and, and yeah, that, you know, that love that we have for that person, bring that through to that process Mm. um, makes it, you know, just that 1% easier to deal with. Kim, it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to open up this conversation. And I just wondered if there was anything, you know, that you had on your heart that you really wanted to share with anyone who may have stumbled across this episode. I feel like the people who are meant to hear this episode really will. Yeah, I guess just letting people know that there is support available. Like yeah. so many times I hear people say, I wish I knew this this service was available yeah. when I was going through it. So I guess the most important thing is to know that it's never too early to reach out. Like um, a lot of my clients, I'm seeing them like one to two years before they've actually died. So 
people are reaching out when they're perhaps got a cancer diagnosis and you're sort of traveling companioning them through the whole journey like sort of navigating the healthcare system and because it's quite overwhelming and people don't know where to start or who to call or what's even available to them yeah for me it's just to reach out and to ask questions and know that support's available you know a lot of families and friends will call me and say look I'm calling you but nobody knows that I've rang and I don't actually know how to tell them that I've called you I don't even know how to describe what you do (laughs) you know I don't want to freak them out but I want to support them um so just knowing that the end of life doula support is available for anyone not just the person dying Mm. it can be for their family it can be for friends or everyone like I never would have thought oh okay you could actually reach out you know when you have a diagnosis and get that as you said that kind of support along just with everyday things like appointments and and just navigating that full journey um so I guess it's great to know that that is also something you offer it doesn't have to be Mm. that point of the end of life it can actually be navigating that full journey that's That's so helpful journey yeah yeah. and attending like we I can attend appointments with people or being an advocate advocate for that person and meaning sort of making phone calls and liaising with I'm often sort of working alongside palliative care staff or connecting people to palliative care who may people who are often at end-stage cancer Mm. and they're not even connected with palliative care yet but that's you know such an important thing to improve the quality of their life especially at the end so um you know it's connecting people in with services that would best support them it's been such a great chat kim and thanks so much for being so open and honest with what you do and i feel like this conversation is just so helpful to have and that's one thing that we're really committed to with this podcast is just having these conversations normalizing just the full experience of of life of life yeah yeah um is there any resources you don't have to have them right now but just any kind of thing that we could look out for if anyone wants to of course they can come straight to you and we'll leave all your details but is there any other resources that could be helpful there is a great um resource project called the ground swell project Mm -hmm. and that is a great hub of lots of resources and information and um there's lots of events that happen throughout the year to create more awareness around end of life and death literacy and compassionate communities and everything. And there's a couple of things coming up locally in the Southern Shire, which I'm part of. So there is something coming up on um, August 8th, which is a national day called Dying to Know Day. Mm-hmm. And there's like nationwide, there's all a series of events all over the country where people are um, hosting conversations and events and different community events just to sort of open up these conversations let's finish off with our little rapid fire questions so (laughs) yeah just to finish off on a lighter mood uh (laughs) what is one part of your daily routine that is non-negotiable at the moment coffee is always (laughs) (laughs) non-negotiable i agree a very common theme my morning coffee as I wake up in the morning, open up the blinds and sort of take a few moments to sort of look outside. I've got a lot of greenery outside, so I just really take a moment to take a few breaths and before I start my day and before I wake the kids up. And our last question that we love asking everyone because everyone has such a different answer is what does being inspired mean to you? Following what you're passionate about and sort of seeking what that is and following through with it, like finding what brings you joy and 
what others do that brings you joy and inspiration is just to follow your dreams and sort of keep working at it. That's beautiful. That sounds I so good. That. Yeah. Living your passion is yeah. very inspiring. Living your passion. <laughs> yeah. it is. Like you girls are doing this podcast. So yeah, good. well, it is. It brings us so much joy. So, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And to everyone else listening too. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kim. If someone would love to connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on, I've got a website, which is just kimsomerville.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also work at a holistic funeral director. So you can find me on that website, which is Life Rights. Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Inspired to Be podcast. We are endlessly grateful for you being here and would love to hear how you're inspired through our conversations together. Want to share your inspired moment? Connect with us on Instagram at inspiredtobe.podcast. Comment on our latest posts or DM us. We would love to hear from you. You can also connect with me for deeper mindfulness at Steel with Sammy. Or me, Elise.inspired, for more health, wellness and daily stories. If you have a moment, please give us a subscribe, rate or review on your podcast platform and we will see you next Wednesday for another awesome episode. See you then.